fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, and... There we go. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into it. My microphone was turned off and I forgot to turn it back on. Hey, welcome. <laughs> That's a great start to the program. Welcome into the program, man. It is a Wednesday. It is the middle of the week. We have a lot to talk about today. It is the greatest day of the entire week as we carpe diem all over this place. Welcome into a broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas. On our flagship radio station, we are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting, however you watch or listen to the program. Always great to have you along for the ride today. It is a Wednesday. It is summer solstice. If you celebrate said summer solstice, then happy summer solstice to you. For those that don't, it's just another day, but it is the longest day of the entire year. And there is some meaning to that, or at least something good that comes out of that most of the time. (laughs) <laughs> Most of the time. I don't know that I've told this story on the air before, but I have a an attachment to summer solstice, not knowing it was summer solstice at the time. But 11 years ago today is when I had proposed to Mrs. Voice of Reason in Colorado Springs. And the reason that it's relevant to summer solstice is because I did not, not being knowing that it was summer solstice in the longest day of the entire year, I definitely made a fool out of myself when I proposed to Mrs. Voice of Reason, 11 years ago today in 2012. Can you believe that, man? 2012, when all this stuff went down. So living in Colorado Springs, I was actually working for the Rocket Radio Station, 94.3 Kilo, K-I-L-O. Yes, that is the call letters, and they are absolutely amazing. They play the active rock, which you can see by my demeanor that we are the rockers and the metalheads on this program. We enjoy it thoroughly. And I was uh, lucky enough to work for the wonderful radio station of 94.3 Kilo, at the time in Colorado Springs. They're still around. They were celebrating their 35th year on the air. So now they're, what, 30, 45, 46 now. And it is amazing to see how great that station uh, is flourishing in the Colorado Springs area. Nonetheless, I had the great opportunity to work there for a short time. And that was at the time where Mrs. Voice of Reason, who was around the area. uh, Now, for those that don't know, we're high school sweethearts. We knew each other even back before that in high school. Uh, We had separated for a few years when I went off to college, and then once I got into radio, we ran into each other again. And this was the time where she was living about two hours away from Colorado Springs, but once a month would come down, she was in banking at the time, would come down to Colorado Springs for a banker's convention uh, for training that she was doing. And I had it in my plans to officially propose to her when she came down. Now, here's how the whole thing went down. (laughs) And this is why the summer solstice is relevant and why I enjoy celebrating the summer solstice today. Again, not knowing that it was the longest because I was not into any of that back then. I had no clue. I had this master plan of going up to Pikes Peak in Colorado Springs, one of the tallest mountains in the area, and waiting for the sun to go down. And what I had done was I had purchased uh, under the star registry, I had named a star. So that way I could take her up to the top of the mountain, overseeing Colorado Springs, let the stars come out, show her the star that I had named after us in Latin, and then propose to her on top of the mountain. Very romantic. It was a whole thing. I had it all planned out. Well, she came down, and she was wanting to go out to dinner, which my my plan 
was that I was going to propose to her and then celebrate the proposal by taking her out to dinner afterwards. Because you would think that would be the appropriate thing. I guess I guess in hindsight, it would have been better to take her to dinner first and then go up to the mountain and do the night seeing and the sky watching and everything. But my plan was let's celebrate with the dinner after we propose so that way she can show off the ring. That was the whole plan. Well, she's waiting for dinner. It's like 6, 7 o'clock at night. She's waiting to go out to dinner, and it's still bright outside. And I had no clue why, and I was starving, and I was getting frustrated, and I was nervous as hell anyways because I was ready to propose to her, and I was wondering why the hell is it not getting dark outside? Come 8 o'clock at night, she's already dressed, she's got her makeup, she's got her hair done, she's got everything ready, ready to go out to dinner. She's like, Andy, I'm hungry, we need to go to dinner, why are we waiting so long? They're going to close soon. No, no, honey, I'm not very hungry yet, don't worry. We're waiting for the big dinner rush. We're going to wait till afterwards. 8.30 comes around. It's still freaking light outside. And I'm losing my mind. I'm like, fine, let's go. It's going to take some time to get up there. At that time, I had a really, really piece of, you know what, uh, beat up car that I would have to pull over about every, I don't know, half hour or so and put more uh, coolant in there because it would leak and it would overheat. Uh, So we started the trek up the mountain. And it was a slow climb. And if you've ever been out to Colorado, driving up the mountains like Pikes Peak, uh, they they zigzag because it's too uh, too steep for a straight climb. So you have to zigzag up the mountain. Well, I'd have to stop every little bit because especially climbing a mountain put extra stress on my engine and would have to stop and actually uh, cool the thing off. We get up there. It's after 9 o'clock, and it's still light outside. And I'm so angry. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I told her, I said, before we go to dinner, we got to stop somewhere. So we drive up here and <laughs> we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. This is again, this is my nervousness that just completely ruined the entire thing. She likes it. She thinks it's cute. It ruined the entire thing. I uh, we get up there and it's still light out. It gets after nine. It gets to be about nine thirty. Finally, it's not even completely dark yet, but we're starting to see the first stars come out at about nine thirty at night. I'm like, you know what? I can't wait any longer. I got to do this. Uh, It finally dips down. The sun goes behind the mountain, and then, boom, it's dark. I go in and fumble around with some papers in the backseat of the car, and I bring them out. She can't read them because now it's dark outside. Stupid me. I'm like, here you go, honey. Look at this. She has no clue what I'm giving her because it's dark outside. And then I try to explain it. Look, there's a star that I named after us. And it's uh, it's uh, I think it means and I forget now she's going to get mad at me. Uh, It's in Latin, but it means uh, together is one forever in Latin. And we had the star. It had the map. And it's like the ear in Orion's belt, You know, like Orion's belt and the whole constellation of Orion. It's like his ear. And that's where the star is that we named. Orion's not even out right now. We can't see anything. But I'm like, here's where the star is. And then on the side of the mountain, I get down and I propose to her. It's all great. She says yes, obviously. We go to celebrate. We get to the restaurant at 10 o'clock as they're closing because apparently they close at 10 (laughs) 10 o'clock. And we barely make it there in order to get a dinner. I'm pretty sure the uh, cooks put some crap in our food because they were really angry at the fact that we showed up right as they were trying to close. Tried to explain to them uh, the whole reasoning on why we were there so late. And I don't know if that helped any or not with their frustration with us showing up last minute. So nonetheless, that was my uh, hard lesson into learning about summer solstice and the longest day of the entire year, unintentionally trying to play in something that backfired on me completely. So (laughs) happy summer solstice to you if you celebrate something like that. Let's get into what's trending today. What do you say? 
What's trending today? All right, we have a lot to talk about. We have Congresswoman Bob Latta coming on at the bottom of the hour, 5th District of Ohio. We get him on about once a month to get an update in Washington, D.C. to see what's going on out there. Uh, we talk about Hunter Biden and some other issues and uh, some latest proposals on fentanyl and trying to stop that opioid crisis across the country. So we'll get into that. Right now, though, there's supposed to be a vote going on in just a little bit on the House floor on the censorship and the fining of Adam Schiff for the abuse of his power to bastardize Donald Trump and the that led to the at least impeachment of Donald Trump when he was president on the false information of the Russian, Russian collusion. This one, now, if you remember, this was voted on last week or a week ago already, and 20 Republicans voted not to censor Adam Schiff. Therefore, Adam Schiff used that as a nice little pencil to say, Republicans couldn't even try to censor me. Ha <laughs> ha, look at great, how great I am. We're trying it a second time, this one being proposed and fronted by Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna out of the Florida area. Americans do not trust Congress. From the highest levels of office, an elected member of this body enabled the fraudulent spending of $32 million out of the pockets of our American people and threw it down the drain to knowingly chase ghosts all for political gain. This man occupied a position of the highest trust and authority. As chair of the House Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff launched an all-out political campaign built on baseless distortions against a sitting U.S. president at the expense of every single citizen in this country and the honor of the House of Representatives. With access to sensitive information unavailable to most members of Congress and certainly not accessible to the American people, Schiff abused his privileges claiming to know the truth while leaving American, Americans in the dark about, his web of li- or about this web of lies. Lies so severe that they altered the course of the country forever. That was Anna Polina Luna on the House floor just a little bit ago. And this is important for us. While we can't do a whole lot, we can at least put a little slap on the wrist for him saying, hey, let's not lie to the American people when you try to uh, impeach a president that you just don't like because he's on the other side of the political aisle. Now, obviously, it failed the last round that they tried this because they said that, well, um, they didn't want to silence an elected official, even though he lied to the American people that led to the impeachment, uh, which is why 20 Republicans split from the Republican group to not censor him in shutting down that bill. There was a piece that came out from the California Globe from Congressman Tom McClintock on why I suppose the censor and fine of Adam Schiff. And I want to read part of this to you because this is where the Republicans begin to get a little bit disarrayed, where... Uh, This is him speaking at the Republican Leadership Conference in New Orleans and his piece on why Mr. Moderate out of California thinks that we shouldn't be censoring Adam Schiff. And I get we have some other topical and policy issues we need to address, but while there is massive corruption going on in the Democrat Party, we have to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time and impeach this uh, impeach Joe Biden, which they're working on as well. We'll get to in a second. We need to silence Adam Schiff or at least censor him for the garbage that he spread out there while at the same time we start working on policy that can get this country back on track. But apparently the Republican Party, like usual, has a hard time being able to walk and chew gum at the same time with moderate Republicans siding with Democrats saying, no, 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 we don't really want to punish Democrats for the lies that they spread to the American people. Here's what he wrote as an op-ed in the California Globe from Congressman Tom McClintock, a Republican out of the state. The Russia collusion hoax is the single dirtiest political trick in the history of American politics. 
We know that it was entirely concocted by the Hillary Clinton campaign and ruthlessly used by partisans in the FBI to affect the 2016 election and to undermine the legitimacy elected, uh, the legitimately elected president of the United States. Mr. Schiff's act, uh, active role in promoting this hoax is disgraceful and damning, but that does not... Uh, That is not the question before us. The question before us is whether a member of Congress should be censored and fined for speech, even outlandish speech, during a public policy debate. We have gone much too far down this road, and it is time that we turn back. This is the argument from some Republicans saying Republicans just need to take the higher road. We don't need to call out the Democrats when they do things. Here's the thing. This is not about outlandish speech from a public policy debate. This is about the fact that an elected official knew something was a lie, knew something was crooked, knew something was completely fabricated, knew it, and yet promoted it to impeach someone on a lie for political purposes. And as he says at the beginning, the Russian hoax being the single dirtiest political trick in American politics in our history. This scandal is worse than Watergate. This scandal is worse than what we've ever seen by impeaching someone wrongfully that they knew was wrong. This is not about just a public policy debate and outlandish speech. This is about someone lying to the American public for political persecution of a political opponent because they don't like them. And that absolutely demands a fine, demands to be censored, probably demands them to be leaving out of office and possible even jail or imprisonment for such a scandal, dirty politics and lying to the American people. When you put your hand on the Bible and swore that you would not do said things, this goes far deeper and some Republicans just don't get it. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. I'm telling you, I'm not about just going tit for tat when it comes to sinking down to the level of Democrats, you're right. We hold ourselves to a higher level. We try to look past the dirty politics. We try to actually look at policy. As Republicans and conservatives, we should be looking at ways to try and better the country. And I completely get that. At the same time, we have to be able to walk and chew gum. I've told you this many times before. The Republican Party, conservatives especially, have the tougher time than anyone else in the political landscape because Democrats are united. They do their thing. They're corrupt. They're, they, they do the behind-the-scenes job. They just have their top-down talking points, and they go about it. And then we have the split within the Republican Party. We have the Uniparty that Chip Roy also mentioned so greatly just a little bit ago, especially after the vote on the uh, budget and the raising of the debt ceiling. In this country, in the House of Representatives, we've been dealing with a Uniparty. We've been dealing with essentially not a lot of difference in terms of the total output of what this town does. We have strong disagreement here on the floor. We pass bills and we get them passed that nobody on that side of the aisle is going to vote for and vice versa. Knowing they're going to go to the Senate and die or knowing they're going to get to the White House and not be signed or knowing they're not going to have 60 votes in the Senate. And then when it push comes to shove on the things that matter, when we come to a spending bill, it's all the same. It's what we do. 
And conservatives have to deal with that because we have to not only battle with the left-wing progressive socialist radicals that are trying to push the envelope and push that line that we draw on the sand over and over and over again and continue to challenge us, but then we have to deal with half the Republican Party that tries to do the same thing and just their little bit of own flavor. And with Republicans trying to make the argument to take the higher ground against Adam Schiff, and we don't want to censor him, we don't want to fine him, yes, it was a dirty, scandalous political thing, but we really don't want to go after him. We have to hold them accountable, do we not? Shouldn't we hold someone accountable if they lie knowingly in order to destroy someone's political career if we find out about it? Now, it obviously happens internally in politics all the time, but if we know about it and find out about it, shouldn't we bring up some type of punishment or repercussions for something like that? A cause and effect world? I I, I say that laughingly because I know that in a world today, we don't live in really the cause and effect, you know, uh, action, reaction the whole yin and yang thing that that the universe is supposed to be working as. But that's the way the world is, and the way it should be. If you do something bad, you shouldn't be reprimanded for that. Adam Schiff did something bad. He knew about it. He lied about it. He led the charge to destroy Donald Trump with an impeachment that we found out to be an absolute hoax that we knew back then, but it came out public afterwards, but they don't care. And now Republicans are like, "Eh, it was really bad, but we really don't want to punish someone for outlandish speech during a public policy debate. It wasn't a public policy debate. It was a debate on impeaching and trying to remove a president and making sure he can't run again for a lie that we knew that was a lie at the time. I personally think there should be some reprimanding for that and not just a slap on the wrist like we're seeing with Hunter Biden. So we have a a divisiveness within the Republican Party there. Now we have another divide within the Republican Party. As apparently Republicans, including Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy and other moderate Republicans, are now going after Congresswoman Lauren Boebert from the Colorado area for forcing the Biden impeachment vote, saying that it's frivolous and a complete waste of time. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The frivolous, complete waste of time to do something like this. And not only just saying we're going to step out and just let you do it yourself, we're not going to be part of it. No, actively and publicly attacking Lauren Boebert under the Republican umbrella for trying to bring up an impeachment. Again, is it petty? You could make that claim and make that argument. They tried to impeach Trump. They're trying to impeach Biden now. But at the same time, they impeached Trump for nothing. Joe Biden obviously has a lot under his belt that we need to impeach, and he absolutely deserves it. And we don't need the Senate's approval because just like with Donald Trump, they're not going to remove him or put up criminal charges against Joe Biden, although they probably should. It would just be a mark on his record saying that he was impeached, just like Trump did. And guess what? If we all united as a party, we could make it happen. What a concept, right? This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Always a pleasure to have you along for the ride on The Voice of Reason. Really excited to have this guy back on as we get our uh, monthly update from Washington, D.C. Excited to have on the program from the 5th Congressional District in the great state of Ohio. It's Congressman Bob Latta on the line with us today. Congressman, how are you, my friend? Andy, great. How are you today? Yeah, always doing good. Great to chat with you. A lot of things going on, obviously, in D.C. With policy-wise, which I want to get to in a second because that's kind of what we should be focusing on is, you know, policy and working on legislation in D.C., but that's not what always takes over the headlines in the news uh, because they always have their own agenda, which is, of course, Donald Trump's going to go to jail for uh, his investigation, and Hunter Biden is going to get off scot-free with a slap on the wrist and uh, just remove any gun charges, remove any drug charges, and then just make sure that he pays a little bit of tax revenue that he forgot to file with the IRS. That Congressman, I'm pretty sure, looking at the headlines on the news every day, that if anybody ends up having a gun illegally while on drugs, or if they fail to pay taxes on a $1.5 million or more, they're usually in jail. But it looks like our justice system's uh, a little bit crooked right now. What do you think? Well, you know, when you, uh, if you buy a firearm from a dealer and you're filling out that federal form, you have to, you know, it's got like 15 different questions they ask you, and one is about uh, drug use. And so, you know, it's right on there about it's a felony. And then on the tax side, when you look at the the amount, I mean, we're not talking about, you know, a very small amount, but a huge amount of money that was owed to the IRS. And a lot of people would say, huh, why, now why is he just getting this, uh, these misdemeanor charges and everybody else should be charged with a, with a greater uh, penalty? Yeah. So even though that, and I did read that one of the uh, prosecutors said, you know, the case is going to be still ongoing, but we're, we're, you know, we'll really find out if that's true or not, as if they're going to continue on with anything else, because there's a lot there. I know in the House of Representatives and, and uh, Jamie Comer from Kentucky with the Oversight Committee that they're going to still continue on. So it might be over in some cases uh, for Hunter Biden uh, with the IRS or with ATF. But uh, there's still going to be ongoing investigations to bring out more facts that uh, surround this case and surround Hunter Biden with yeah. all of his dealings with China and every place else. Well, that's the, that, that was the point that we wanted to get to is, I mean, these are interesting charges and they're not enough. And like we said, if anybody else had unpaid IRS uh, tax money coming in from one and a half million dollars of revenue that they didn't pay on or illegally possessed a firearm with drug charges, which is like, I don't know, 20 to 40 percent of those that are incarcerated in prison right now across the nation because of charges like that. What else is there that they're not charging because the House is doing the investigation on the Hunter Biden laptop and the dealings with China and Russia and the Ukraine and everywhere else. Uh, so we could potentially see more, but man, it's fascinating on how loosey goosey that they've gone after him for just the small charges so far. Well, you know, just on the, uh, the the firearm charge, if my memory serves me correct, it's almost like a ten year penalty if you swear if you falsify any one of those points. Yeah. So there's you know right off the bat, I mean, it's zero for him. Yeah. So I mean, it's this is kind of an interesting uh, situation that is because of who he is and who his dad is, that this is what's happened. 
It's unfortunate. It is really unfortunate that we have to go through this and see the judicial system act the way that they are right now. Let's talk about some policy and talk about actual legislation you guys are working on right now. You introduced uh, just a few days ago with uh, some other leaders in D.C. on the HALT-Fentanyl Act. Obviously, with the ending of Title 42, the migration that we're seeing just flood across the border uh, right now. This is a major issue that's going to continue to get worse. Here in Kansas, we saw another major uh, massive bust of fentanyl across our state uh where are we right now and what are we working on to try and limit this flood of this crazy drug well first uh, fentanyl is probably the most dangerous drug that's out there today and this is a chemical drug it's coming in you know the drugs are the chemicals are coming into mexico from china uh then the cartels are making this stuff up they're pressing it into pills you know and other types of forms and then they're shipping it uh, to the to the to the United States. You know, the Democrats will say, "Oh, look, we've interdicted uh, so many uh, tons of fentanyl at the border in the last year." But the problem is, since the Border Patrol can't do their job of of enforcing the border and pretty much have to just round up people illegally crossing the border that this administration is letting in, that uh, we're seeing a a massive amount of fentanyl coming to this country. Just to give you an idea of how much they interdicted was about 15,000 pounds. That's enough to kill every American about seven times over. Mm. So uh, only a few flakes of fentanyl, about two milligrams, will kill you. And unfortunately, right now, we see that fentanyl is the n- number one killer of Americans out there between the ages of 18 to 49. It's over 73,000 Americans died from fentanyl poisoning in the last year. We had 109,000 people die from overdoses, but in this case, just 73,000 of those are fentanyl-related. And uh, we had the Drug Enforcement Agency testifying before us and talking about the legislation that Morgan Griffith and I have. And what we, what we, we heard from them was, look, it costs the cartel 10 cents to make one of these pills down in Mexico. They're selling them up here for 30 or $40. Sometimes it's either on the street corner or they're selling on the Internet, and people think they're buying another drug and it ends up being something with fentanyl in it. And uh, so, we're, you know, the cartels are killing Americans for $0.10. Cents. Yeah. Right now, fentanyl is, all, is all, it's supposed to should be a, a Schedule One drug, and it's only on a temporary basis. And so what our legislation does is it's for fentanyl-related substances, meaning that if they change the formula just a little bit, as long as it's got that fentanyl in it, you're still going to be at a Schedule 1. And uh, right now, it's, I can't understand it why our, our, the Democrats don't want to make this permanently a Schedule 1 drug. So law enforcement and our prosecutors can go out after these people. But uh, this is the most deadly thing out there because, again, if you want to put it in you know, perspective a little bit, you know, we think about the over 56,000 Americans were killed in Vietnam. We're killing 73,000 Americans in one year with fentanyl. Yeah. Yeah, it's a terrible drug. And the fact, like you said, the fact that it takes so little of it to harm you that's laced with something, whether you're trying to do another illicit drug that you shouldn't be that, that it's laced with, or even just prescription drugs that you think are legitimate and you end up taking it could kill you that easily, uh, which brings up the other question is how do we regulate 
some of the drugs that are on the streets. And is that in conversation, do you think, for uh, even, let's say, marijuana, for example, where they're starting to lace it with marijuana? Is that an argument to start legalizing marijuana at uh, the federal and state level and remove it as a class one so we can regulate it and know where we're actually sourcing marijuana instead of getting it from a cartel individual that has it laced with fentanyl? Well, you know, first, I've, I've always been opposed to any type of legalization of marijuana because what we're seeing then is is that marijuana that's out there today is, is a much stronger drug than it was years ago. And so one of the problems is is that it's, it is truly a gateway drug. And so I, the, I don't want to see Americans getting hooked on marijuana and then saying I've got to have a higher dose of something else and then move on to another, you know, another like heroin or cocaine or something that's, as you say, it's laced with fentanyl. And it's important that we get the, uh, uh, the, the fentanyl off the streets because, again, as we watch more and more people dying. And the other point about this is, you know, how much, if we want to make something a putting people away for a long period of time for selling fentanyl, well, it's pretty easy. We're talking about like 100 grams to get it into a Schedule 1. To break that down, that's, that's enough to kill 50,000 people. And I can't understand on the other side of the aisle while they're saying that they, they don't want to make it a Schedule 1, but this could, one, just one person with 100 grams of this stuff can kill 50,000 people. Mm. And to me, that, that deserves being a Schedule 1. And we just don't want to be uh, out there promoting other drugs for people to get on because, again, what we want to do is get them off. Right. Yeah, that is very true. Uh, at the same time, I know a lot of states are also starting to now legalize like Narcan for consumers to be able to have on to just in case there is an overdose. Law enforcement starting to carry Narcan as well as a way to kind of right. counter the fentanyl stuff as well. Is that something that we could look at at a federal level to allow law enforcement across the nation to carry drugs like Narcan to easily try and help individuals if they are overdosing on fentanyl? Well, right now, when you look across the country, about every uh, police cruiser that's out there will have have Narcan with them. But what the what the Biden administration has done is saying, look, you can go to the drugstore now and just buy fentanyl uh, over the counter. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Narcan over the counter. But the the problem with that is you're you're treating the result. You're not treating what we should be at the very front of it. And uh, you know, we want to make sure we save people. But in some cases, somebody might say. Okay, I've got one one enough one spray of Narcan to try to revive someone. There are cases out there; it might take six or eight doses yeah. of Narcan to bring somebody back to life. And so, you know, you can give a false hope to people out there. At some of these, you know, sometimes if they have, they have parties, and that's if one person's supposed to stay sober enough. So if somebody goes down, they're supposed to administer administer the drug of Narcan, and it's mm. like, folks. What happens if you only got one dose? You know, I've, I've seen in, in total situations, six to eight doses taken every dose from every police cruiser that came to a scene to bring somebody back to life. Wow. It's a scary thought. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a way to maybe help a little bit, but it doesn't address the real issue, which is they're yep. taking something that has fentanyl in it. Yep. You got to <laughs> get to the source. And once again, it's the, it's the drugs coming in from China by way of Mexico through the cartel. And they're making billions of dollars killing Americans. There it is. That's Congressman Bob Latta from the 5th Congressional District of the great state of Ohio. We get him on every month to get an update. And as usual, that interview went a lot longer than what we could air here on the program because, well, we have a break. we got to take here in just a minute. So we'll upload that as an additional podcast, a special feature shortly after the program so you can listen to it in its entirety, which I highly recommend you do because there's a lot of great information on there. 
as well. We'll take a break. When we come back, one more segment wrapping up the midweek celebration here on The Voice Reason. We have a lot more to get to, and we'll do the best we can to cram it all in because that's what we do here on the show. Hang tight. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into the program. Last few minutes of the show. Boy, it flies right on by. So much to talk about and so little time to do it. Hey, I want to remind you we are getting closer to our big launch on Saturday of our nationally syndicated program that will be on multiple stations all over the place, more so than even what we're on right now, which is really awesome. More information as we get closer to it. And you can find more information on the website at HoosierReason.com. Pretty cool. Thanks again to Congressman Bob Latta, 5th District of Ohio, coming on the show. Again, that interview went longer than what we can air here, so we'll put that up as a special feature. Additional podcast with the full-length, unedited, unrefrained episode of our chat with the congressman. You can always hear that on our podcasting sites, any of your favorite podcasting sites that you want to go to. You can just find us at The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Before we get back into issues, have you been watching this uh, quote-unquote Titanic submarine that's lost? I have to admit, this is, uh, I would be terrified. I <laughs> That's crazy. This is like something you see out of a movie where you're stuck in a submarine and you're stuck and you're hoping that they come and find you. And this is going on, what, day number four, five? I think they have less than 24 hours of oxygen left in the thing. Apparently, according to the latest news that I've heard, is that they've heard some knocking. So they're trying to figure out exactly where that knocking is. My question is, the National Guard has been the one kind of heading this one up, and they can't find the submarine. They have not been able to find it. And all of a sudden, within the last hours, the Navy finally says that they have technology that can actually do a little bit better sonar scans underwater than what the uh, than what the Coast Guard can. My question is, why in the world are we waiting for the Navy for the last second? This is like the last second we're going to swoop down at the, at the end of the day and just save the day right at the end. Why in the world would we wait to use all and utilize all the resources available to save these individuals instead of waiting till the last day when they're less than 24 hours away from oxygen running out in that thing? Thinking about that will give me nightmares tonight, that you're encapsulated in this tiny little metal box that is at the bottom of the ocean, twelve to 15,000 feet down. The pressure is so intense that if you try and open it up, you will get absolutely crushed. You have no way to breathe uh, except for what oxygen is left in there, and you're running out of time. I, I've just set the stage for like the worst-case scenario of every paranoia of individuals out there. I, I enjoy water. I don't care for that much water. My wife, she says she wants to go in one of those like shark cage things. And sorry, no, because I've also seen the movie where the shark cage breaks and then sinks to the bottom of the ocean as well. And while you're already suffering from the pressure and the mental thing that it does to you and then running out of the oxygen tank there as well. uh, And then if you come up too quickly, then you, you know, have the blood oxygen level issue thing and the pressure. And yet, no, I'm not doing that. And then, of course, having a big. Uh, man-eating shark floating around your cage because that seems like the appropriate thing to do. Why the hell would you want to do that? I am all for being the adrenaline junkie and going skydiving and you know wrestling with a bear or doing something crazy. I'm all for 
doing the adrenaline junkie, manly testosterone pumps, really cool stuff, doing stunts on a dirt bike, you know, doing MMA or UFC fighting. I've always wanted to always just one fight. I want to get into Octagon to do one fight. I have a very large nose, and I'm sure that the first time my nose gets hit, I will cry like a little baby, but I want to experience it one time just to say that I was manly enough to get in an octagon and try that. One time, or a boxing match. Either way, one time, I just want to try it. But I do not want to enclose myself into a metal tank and go to the bottom of the ocean. Um, Can you imagine the Megalodon that you're going to see when it eats you alive and eats the entire submarine? And that's why the uh, Coast Guard or the National Guard or the Navy or whoever's looking for these guys can't find it. Because it probably got eaten by some crazy species at the bottom of the ocean that we don't even know about because... We don't know a whole lot about what's going on in the ocean, just as much as we know about what's going on up in space with the stars and the aliens that we know exist already as well. All right, that's my scary rant for the day. I'm just, that image is just creeping me out. So we pray for these individuals. We hope to God that they can come out safely. Apparently, as the investigation's gone on, they um, were a little bit laxidated on some of their security protocol that probably led to some of this. I don't know, but we hope that they get out safe and sound and... Maybe they can have a story to tell, and maybe they can tell us about the species going on. But it's pitch black down there. You can't see anything. You're at the level of the weird fish that have, like, the glowing dots on them. Aliens at the bottom of the ocean that you're stuck with while you're entrapped in this metal casing. Dude, I'll pass. Now I'm going to have nightmares the rest of the night. I may come in a little bit drowsy tomorrow. We'll see how, how we sleep. After that image that's stuck in your head, it's almost like you can feel the anxiety going on down there. Holy cow. Hopefully they come out safe and sound. All right, back at it again tomorrow for the pre-Friday celebration. We have a lot more to get to, a lot more topics going on in D.C. and ways that we can bring some common sense, reason, truth, and rationale back into the conversation. Until then, be that catalyst for change. Be that voice of reason in your own community. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.